Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled to introduce you to our sponsor, Windshape Marriage. Their weekend retreats will strengthen your marriage and you will enjoy this gorgeous setting, delicious food, and quality time with your spouse. To find out more, visit them online at windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. Drew and Sarah Anthony are my guests today, and they're going to be celebrating 28 years of marriage later this year. They have four children, and they also have a house flipping business that they run together. They recently discovered this passion they have for sailing, and they've combined that love for sailing and their heart for helping strengthen marriages by leading marriage sailing adventures. This is where our paths originally intersected, and I've written about this sailing adventure on one of the articles at thesavvysauce.com. But I'm so grateful that that experience led me to cross paths with Drew and Sarah, and I could tell that they were an amazing couple, that if we lived closer, I would have wanted to meet with them as a mentor couple. And so I invited them to become guests on the show, and today we're going to talk about all things marriage. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Drew and Sarah. Good to be here. Really glad to be here. Yeah, we feel welcomed. We're so excited to host you. And let's just begin with a story. How did the two of you meet and fall in love? I was graduating high school and Drew was a sophomore in college. We had some mutual friends and he had come to visit them like best summer ever because all of our mutual friends, we all hung out and went to the beach and played beach volleyball and went on the sea-dews and all the things. And during that time, we discovered that maybe it was a little more than friendship. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And we dated for about three years. We were engaged in there for a while as well. Drew ended up staying and going to the same college as me. And we were youth leaders together. And that kind of just put us on a trajectory of later marriage and kids and all the things. What are some of the challenges that you two have faced and how did you get through those hard times? Yeah, I mean, obviously in 28 years, there's always going to be challenges, whether it's within your relationship or issues with your kids. And I think for us, one of the main things is that we're grounded in our faith. And we have that not only together, but individually. So being able to individually seek the Lord, get guidance, as well as coming together, praying together. You know, there's been times with having four kids and they're, they've all either gone through the teenage years or in it, that in and of itself will put you on your knees. And we've had circumstances where we have had to fervently pray and and fast at times for, you know, just different things that we are seeing in our kids that we're like, oh, Lord, we need we need you in this moment. And it has also over time and as we've seen the faithfulness of the Lord and him answer those prayers and um, it not only strengthens our relationship with him, but also I would say with each other is a benefit of that. 
Yeah. You know, for example, I was a youth pastor in Michigan for, for 10 years. During my time as a youth pastor, I had, I was under the leadership of probably five different pastors, five different leaders. Because I mean, every, every pastor, for example, brings in their style of leadership. They bring in uh, kind of how they want to see their ministry ran. And a lot of times, as a youth pastor, you know, you just feel a lot of a lot of pressure, and and we weren't really sure kind of what God had after doing it for ten years. You know, we were at a stage where like, okay, how long are we going to do this? What God? What do you want from us? And and so uh, it was at a stage when uh, my dad all of a sudden came down with meningitis, and he was in ICU, and we were in Ohio and trying to figure out. I felt like God was kind of leading us to do something different. We weren't really sure what, but we knew that God had something out there for us. And and we were on our way home from, from Ohio after seeing my dad. And Sarah just mentioned to me, she goes, you know, I, I feel like uh, we're supposed to move to Georgia. And I had felt that for a while, but I... Sarah, being from Michigan, and she, you know she has a bunch of sisters, strong family ties in Michigan, and I just felt like, you know, huh, I, I could never ask you to do that, but I was waiting on, you know, just seeing if the Lord would speak to your heart, and so that had just happened right after I was kind of seeking the Lord on that, and so we ended up moving to Georgia and kind of uh, leaving that job, not really sure or my brother was a senior pastor in Georgia. And so, you know, we, we went to Georgia without really knowing what we were going to yeah, do. All the, or... We didn't know all the details of how it was going to iron out. And it's funny because we think back on that now and having adult children, like, oh my goodness, if they would have come to us in the same scenario, we would have been like, um, no, you don't leave a job before you have another one. And so it really was a huge step of faith for us, but one that we totally had a piece about and one that I typically wouldn't have had peace about because it was so far outside of our comfort zone. But I think in that step of faith, we also saw the hand of God and saw just him going before us with a quick sale of our home, with some property that we had owned and thought was going to be a quick sale and and it wasn't for several years. And then all of a sudden, when we made the decision to move to Georgia, that land sold. So just different things like that, where we had that sense of God saying like, I'm in this, I'm with you. Yeah. And I think you know, I was thinking about that stage because, I mean, our time in youth ministry was incredible. I mean, we just saw God do some real cool things in the inner city, uh, in the youth group. Um, I did a lot with junior high students. And so there was great things. And and sometimes we can get a little comfortable. Uh, you know, maybe there was that aspect of our life where God allowed certain things in our life to kind of poke us and move us and stir us. Because since we've been in Georgia, I mean, there's been a lot of amazing things that have happened and God's used the move to really do some cool things in our life. I love that story because I think it just illustrates how it wasn't till the other side of your obedience that you got a clearer picture and it definitely required faith, but how gracious of him to supply the peace prior to moving. Yes, that that's for sure. I I mean I just want to reiterate that too just because it felt out of character for me even when I would say to my sister, I know when I say this story it sounds crazy like I can hear that 
and yet I have a peace that surpasses all understanding, right? And so we continued to move forward with it. And now, what are some of your core values and priorities as a married couple? Well, I mean, I would say that we for sure are founded on biblical truths. That's always been something that we that we cling to. When I think of words that I hope would describe us, one would be legacy, that we are leaving a legacy for our children and for our children's children. We were gifted the just generous hard work of our parents who changed the trajectory and introduced us to Jesus and grew us up in his truths. And so we recognize that to whom much is given, much is required. And so we have done our best to pass that on to our children. I know when we have talked about words that we want to describe us, generosity is another word that when people think of us, that we would not just with financially, but with our time, that we would be thoughtful and, and giving we take our job as parents very seriously too. And so there are actions that we that we do and goals that we set for ourselves that um, kind of promote us to just that relationship, that parental relationship with our kids to where it's not just, you know, kind of we want to make sure that they fulfill a set of rules that we lay out, but we want a relationship with them. And so personal time with them, uh, one-on-one time with each kid, that's very important for us. When they mess up, you know, that they know that we still love them and care about them and we notice them and that we are cheering them on. And uh, yes, there may be consequences for their actions, but, you know, to be able to to respond to those actions with just a heart of love and discipline. And I think we take that very seriously and we take our relationship with one with each other very seriously, too. And so we. I think over the years, we're not investing less in each other and more in our kids. I think over the years, we've grown to invest more in our relationship as a married couple in our attempts to to make our marriage relationship stronger. And so that's huge for us. That's a focus for us. Yeah. Uh, and, then, well. and it trickles down to our relationship with our kids. If we're, Drew and I are strong together in our relationship, that is gives, I think, a sense of security for our kids as well. I'd love to press in a little bit further on that. I think that sounds like such wise living. And so how did the two of you actually do this with practical or replicable tips? Yeah. So when our kids were little, there is always a sense of survival at some level, right? Like, so we established early on just like a a solid bedtime. So we had some time in the evening together. We also had a rule early on, like if mom and dad's bedroom door is shut, you have to knock. And, you know, so simple things like that. As they got older, prioritizing just one-on-one time was easier as far as a date night. Now we did date nights when they were younger as well, but it obviously does become a little bit easier to have that as more routine as they get older and you're not having to hire a babysitter every week um, or trade services with another friend, which are all great ideas. But I'll say that, you know, Sarah, Sarah is a, 
very uh, strong, disciplined uh, leader as well. And so she's a checklist maker. She's very intentional. She's very disciplined. And so, you know, I remember her reading a number of books on parenting, you know, because with four kids, you know, you're bound to have, you know, at least one strong-willed kid, right? So, so just reading those books on how to best uh, parent kids in different situations. So that was something I think that, that she took to heart because then she would share that with me too. And so we'd, we'd kind of work on that together. Cause I mean, it is tough. There are very tough times when you're dealing with kids that don't want to go to their church Sunday school class or, uh, they're being defiant at home and, and they keep on leaving their, their bed when they're, when they're, when they're getting up or it's nap time. And after the 10th time, you're kind of like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know? And then now at, at the stage we're in now with teenagers, with Sarah being goal oriented, you know, she, she really does a great job really having a goal to prepare dinner for at least two, three times a week. And so our kids know that, you know, at such and such a times, five thirty, six o'clock, we're going to have a meal every Monday, every Tuesday, and, and so they're going to get hungry. You know, they're going to be sick of spending their own money at fast food joint or buying clothes or buying gas. And so they're going to get hungry. They're going to come home. What better place to, to eat, to have our kids eat than around our dinner table? And um, there's been times when dinner tables have been tough, you know, where kids kind of bicker and fight, but it's just getting easier. You know, the older they get, the more mature they get. So there is hope. Trust the Lord that it will get better. When we have consistent love, I learned people will always respond to genuine love, unconditional love. And we're seeing that, I think, in our kids as well. Wow, that's such a hopeful reminder for anyone who's in the trenches and doing this, that those seeds eventually the Lord can make them grow and bloom. Over the course of your marriage, how did the two of you choose to spend your leisure time? I would say when we, we had been married for some time, I mean, I'm trying to think of, we had three kids, so our fourth wasn't quite here. And it was, it fell on a year where Three of my closest friends, um, their marriages were in distress, looked like headed towards divorce, and that really shook me up. And I remember talking with one of them, and um, she said, yeah, we just don't have anything in common. And I do think that can easily creep in when you're in the throes of raising small kids. And I, all of a sudden, you know, I panicked. I remember coming home to Drew and be like, we got to find a hobby. We have to find something that we enjoy doing together. So we oddly, I mean, it felt odd. We signed up for a 25 K race and we've had this program that would, it started at like, you know, you can't run at all. And then it's supposed to get you to a 25 K in six months or something like that. So we, we did that and um, you know, we would connect after, but quickly realized that my legs are very short and Drew's are long and we running together wasn't really <laughs> something that we could do very easily. It gave us something to talk about. But it but did give it, us a connection that way. <laughs> you spend a lot of hours alone, uh, you know, running. Yeah, <laughs> so. Because we weren't able to really do that together. However, it's what we had in the moment. It didn't cost yeah. us really anything. And it was a, a connecting point. But I would say now, having years 
um, more of marriage that we, what we found is finding an activity that both of you enjoy that you can do together is really where it's at. And that's where we would encourage people to find something that both of you enjoy. And so in the last few years for us, that has been sailing. We love to sail together. And then also hiking. We really enjoy hiking. We can do it at a similar pace, enjoying God's creation that way. It allows for great conversation. So that took trial and error and and years of trying to figure that out. So Yeah, and I would say a couple other things. We've experienced the grandness of the national parks. We've also experienced the local hikes. You know, on occasion when we're on vacation or down south, uh, we'll play pickleball, not just with each other, but with our kids too. And then also we flip a couple homes a year. I think Sarah and I uh, love taking a dilapidated property and, and dreaming it through something real cool at the end. And so just doing that together, I think, is very rewarding. It gives us a challenge and uh, gives us the opportunity to work at that challenge together and really make something beautiful and rewarding from that challenge. Yeah, but I think as far as like applying it, you know, hearing this and being like, wow, I'm not going to be flipping a house anytime soon with my spouse. But it's even been as simple as after dinner, you know, let's go and just walk up and down our street a few times and just Mm -hmm. decompress and reconnect. And that's not something that I would say like we're passionate about walking up and down our road, but we are passionate about staying connected with each other. And that's an easy way to be able to do it. So sometimes it's just looking at your circumstances and saying, you know, what what can we make happen with what we currently have going on? Yeah. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. I'm so excited to share today's sponsor, Windshape Marriage, with you. Windshape Marriage is a fantastic ministry that helps couples prepare, strengthen, and if needed, even save their marriage. Windshape Marriage is grounded on the belief that the strongest marriages are the ones that are nurtured, even if it seems like things are going smoothly. That way, they'll be stronger if they do hit a bump along their marital journey. Through their weekend retreats, Windshape Marriage invites couples to enjoy time away to simply focus on each other. These weekend retreats are hosted within the beautiful refuge of Windshape Retreat, perched in the mountains of Rome, Georgia, which is just a short drive from Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. While you and your spouse are there, you'll be well-fed, well-nurtured, and well-cared for. During your time away in this beautiful place, you and your spouse will learn from expert speakers and explore topics related to intimacy, overcoming challenges, improving communication, and so much more. I've stayed on site at Windshape before, and I can attest to their generosity, food, and content. You will be so grateful you went. To find an experience that's right for you and your spouse, head to their website, windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. You're kind of alluding to running this business together with flipping homes. So what have you learned about working well together? Yeah, so I would say that's another thing that took us a while to kind of figure out and find our groove. We still mess up with that sometimes. I, I tend to need to listen more slow down a little more, talk to Sarah more about something and her ideas, and and then learn to respect those ideas and listen to those and take them to heart. Uh, and so it is, yeah, I mean, it, it is a challenge. It's a, it's something that, yeah, we know that we're, we're going to need to face this. 
and uh, but it's good. It's 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 something good to do. It's it's. Uh, and we all we both bring strengths to the table. Drew's really good at seeing the vision of what a house can be, and when I initially walk into that type of house, it usually does have a lot of things wrong with it, and it usually has a lot of junk in it. It's not uncommon for it to have a hole in the roof, like overwhelming. And so now that we've flipped a few houses together, trusting Drew that I know he's got the eye for this. I currently cannot see it. It's overwhelming to me, but he knows what it can take. He can even quickly, which is an impressive skill, add up financially about what it would take to fix up that house. And then... I love to come in with those final touches and finding ways to more cost-effectively bring in features that people would love, um, but at a fraction of the cost of what they might see it on like an Instagram or a Pinterest. So we make a good team that way, but of course it would be silly for us to say that there's never conflict with any of that. I think anytime you work together, you know, that's just part of what comes with the territory, but then how we do that and making sure that we're um, communicating in a loving manner and those sort of things. You know, it's, it's dirty, it's messy, but when you take the last piece of trash out and you sweep the house, even before you get started on the construction, to accomplish that together as a team uh, was incredibly rewarding. It makes your trip home you know, all smiles. It's allowed for some trust to be built as far as just knowing, okay, Drew's got an eye for this. Let's do another one another time. I love it. And I can definitely see how this would be a bonding experience as a couple. And another bonding experience is that the two of you have this unique opportunity to minister to couples on sailing trips. So will you now elaborate on what the Lord has taught you through sailing? So, you know, I think where it started was when we went on our first trip, and it was a sail trip down in the British Virgin Islands, where we were invited to go on a trip with three other couples. Uh, We had a skipper that kind of took care of the boat and its operation for us. And, you know, I remember waking up with Sarah the next morning, We, we went out on the front of the boat there and did our devotions. And there's something about waking up, being on water in, in a, on a boat that even though it's a large boat, 52 foot catamaran, you're still just a few feet from the water. And waking up that early in the morning where the sun's starting to come over the mountains of the islands and the water, because it's still morning, it's just glassy. I mean, it's just the reflection of the sky, the reflection of the mountains, the reflection of other boats. And then looking over and you're seeing other islands five miles away and in looking at the surrounding, being able to appreciate the blessing that it is to be on this earth that God created for us to enjoy and for us to take care of. That's the first lesson of sailing you know, did for did for me personally. Sure. It like it was a, a fresh perspective of God's creation. And we hadn't even left the harbor yet. And we were already just in awe of seeing God's creation from the vantage point of being on the water. That was 
new for us. And we just felt privileged that the Lord would see fit that we would have an opportunity to see his creation that way. And I think the second thing is to, because I remember our captain, you know, just talking about how sailing was one of the oldest methods of transportation you know, basically any anyone in business, if they're going to trade a product, they're not going to put on the motorboat. They're not going to row, you know, across seas. They're going to put up the sails and use the wind, this, this miraculous feature of God's creation to really transport them from one piece of land to many, many, many miles away to another piece of foreign land. And just being able to experience that same technology, you know, that's ancient to accomplish that, you know, because it's a huge boat, tens of thousands of pounds of weight that's just gliding across the water, being blown by the wind. And I was um, more drawn to just the beauty around me and the connection that I was feeling with the Lord and being in that element. So we both fell in love with voting for different reasons. And yet there were some connected uh, loves as well. And I think for Drew, the captain was great about like, if you want to help out and come sit next to me and take over the helm for a while, go for it. And Drew totally took advantage of that. And I mean, essentially, by the time the trip was over, he had been bitten pretty hard by the sailing bug and ended up working on getting his captain's license. And the kids actually took some sailing lessons. Like it just, (laughs) it, it rolled into something bigger than we could have ever imagined. So that when he ended up getting his captain's license, And there was some shifting within the responsibilities of that sailing adventure program. Um, And there was a need there. Uh, Drew and I were able to step in and kind of help. We were then leading some of those. And then they were in need of some captains. And so Drew uh, was volunteering captain time for that. And so that's something that we still do. We love. In fact, it takes up a good chunk of our free time because we have not only seen how that experience strengthened our marriage, now that we've done it several times with other couples, we see it impacting their marriage. And we're just like, we got to get as many people Mm -hmm. as we can on these trips. Like it just, there's something about the sequestered setting getting alone with your spouse. Being intentional about your experience together. Yeah, and taking, because each night we do gather and talk about questions that make you kind of pause and give you time to dream together, start thinking towards the future. Because I think in the busyness of all the things that we've already discussed with kids and business and, and life, that we can get in a rut of that. And when you take the time to get away, take the time to get quiet and start to really ask God, what, what do you have for us? What does our future look like? He's excited. He's excited to be able to, Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Like, (laughs) look at what I have. I just need you to take the next steps to, so that's it's, something it's been started. amazing to see, you know, because I think in the, in the last uh, few years, in, in 2021, I think I did uh, eight trips. And, and so I met a lot of really cool couples. Uh, and just to see, you know, kind of what God 
is has been doing in their lives and in what God has in store for them uh, in the future too. You see the potential there. And so it's been awesome to see God kind of work and speak to their hearts and encourage them to that next uh, step that he's, he's kind of laid out for them. It's such a unique thing to get to do together, but I love following that thread and, or maybe seeds as a better example of how the Lord put on your hearts to spend leisure time intentionally together, to say no to some other things, not to be separate, but to pursue things that delighted you both. And now he's using that to bless so many married couples, Mark and myself included, through these sailing adventures. So I love hearing the backstory. And let's look back through a few phases of your marriage were there any traditions or habits you established when you were engaged or a newlywed couple that eventually set you up for success? One that comes to mind would be church attendance. I recently listened to a podcast and she was one of the pastors at a university and she said one of the things that she's seeing is the decline of families attending church together and that oftentimes sports can get in the way of that. And so essentially families are attending church together maybe once a month. And so then as a college student, that feels normal. And then when you get busy, then maybe it's like once every other month. And so that has been something for Drew and I that was example to us, but also we want to instill in our own kids, not for you know religious sake, But just out of, I want to take a pause within my week where I gather with other like-minded believers and we worship the God that we serve together. You know, I think to have, there's a sense of accountability. There's a thing in the scripture where it talks about not forsaking the assembly of the people. And I think there's something that happens when, and, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be our own church. I mean, we're, we're away a lot just because of the, our activities that take us to other cities, but it doesn't matter what denomination we end up going to. It doesn't matter, you know, who the pastor is or their age or what type of worship music that they play. Um, yeah, we're teaching the Bible. There's a connection. There, there is a huge connection in that word that's spoken isn't going to return void. It doesn't return void. In, in my life. And I, I've seen it even in my kids where they'll reference something that a pastor spoke. Like, for example, we just, we went to our home church this just yesterday, and, and it, but we had a visitor pastor. He was a professor from a different state. And he had like four points on what worship really means. I, I don't know how the conversation got to this point, but we brought up the word worship and, and I brought up the four points or I was sharing them back and forth with my son and he, he was able to insert some of those points. And so I know he was listening too, but being able to be at a church service where they're preaching what's in the Bible, uh, it's just a great blueprint for everything that we experience in life. And to be able to have that constant every weekend is precious. And I I think to piggyback off that too, another priority for us is that our kids would always be involved in some sort of youth group. And it can be something from within the school where they have a, um, for me, it was, it was youth for Christ growing up because I didn't have a youth group. Yeah. Just something where it's other kids where they're seeing it, not only, you know, not only hearing it from parent, but another adult 
because oftentimes with our children, you know, things that we've always said, and then another adult or mentor says it, and they're like, oh, mom, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said. And it's, you know, it's a painful moment when you have to bite your tongue and go, yep, that's what I've been telling you all along. (laughs) But I would say, you know, if we were going to highlight, there's obviously several traditions, but that has been one that we've just seen the payoff that's worth the investment. What are some things that you did during the season of raising little children that you're now seeing the payoff as they're all becoming adults? I think the hardest thing when your kids are little is being consistent. Just realizing that, you know, there's an element of none of us fully know what we're doing when it comes to parenting. Uh, We're doing the best we can. I remember you know, I was a full grown adult when I realized that was the case for my parents. And so it allowed me to extend a ton more grace to them. But uh, I think just that element of when they've, they've done something for the fifth time, and you've already told them and, you know, you're having to put on timeout or whatever it is that the disciplinary method, it's exhausting. And knowing that, in the long run, it really will produce a teenager, a young adult that you enjoy hanging out with. Like we, we really love having dinner around the table with our kids. And if that includes our adult kids, that we have a relationship with them that is, it's en- enjoyable. Yeah, and I think just inserting Christ into into life, and by that I mean uh, I just heard some parent talk about how they prayed with their children every morning. You know, different parents have different goals. Or I, I, our pastor growing up, they had a family devotion every Monday night. You know, we've talked to our kids about just that devotional time, playing Christian music, playing worship music, watching what TV shows, you know, does a TV show glorify the Lord? Just talking about standards and, you know, just inserting inserting the Lord in his purpose and his plan that he has for us, I think on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, just being that foundation for our children to kind of see uh, and recognize. And then putting them in circumstances like on a missions trip or outreaches where, you know, they can see the benefit of serving others and of loving others. We took our oldest two on a missions trip to Dominican Republic when they were man, late elementary, early junior high uh, age. And just to see them experience other kids that were older, love doing that work for the Lord and just sharing their testimonies and and seeing we have it great here in the U.S., you know, and, and God calls us to reach out to those that are less fortunate and giving them the opportunity to share the love of Christ to others that they've never met. Things like that, I think, were crucial as well. And we can, you know, tie up our answers into a neat little ball. But the reality is, is that as parents, you're tired and frustrated and there are going to be elements of you lose your cool, you yell or, you know, you react in a way where you're like, that's that's not the parent I want to be. And then being humble enough to ask for forgiveness, set the example of what that looks like, like, man, buddy, I lost it there. Will you forgive me? So that uh, they're also seeing that example of what humility looks like 
I remember a time when my son, who's a senior in high school now, but I remember a time when he was younger, I got very angry uh, with him and I yelled at him. He was skating around. I think I was cleaning the garage. You know, he had his skateboard out or something and just was doing kid things in there, you know. And I remember just years and years and years, that really ate at me how I responded to him. And so there was a time when um, I just went in his room. Uh, this was just like this last year, and we were just having a one-on-one time, and and I brought that up to him. And of course, you know, he he doesn't remember that, you know, he it was a long time ago, but I just asked for forgiveness, you know, and because it is easy, I think, to kind of get caught up in the frustrations of life where it's not easy, it's it's hard, it's difficult, and you lose your cool sometimes. And it's not that I just did that one thing and, and kind of approached him that and sought his forgiveness for that. But I think as a father, and really as a mother too, because Sarah does this too, we have accountability with other, other couples um, where we talk about different goals that we set and and we keep each other accountable on a weekly basis for that when it comes to things of health, spiritual, financial, different aspects that we're trying to reach. And then we pray for each other and we keep each other accountable in that. And so we, we lean on others to do what we're called to do as parents and as husbands and as wives. We just wanted to remind you to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps more people discover the savvy sauce and ultimately hear the good news of Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us. We truly have the kindest and most helpful listeners. Well, Drew and Sarah, from your own experience, do you have any encouragement for married couples who are also currently raising teenagers? Yeah, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is pray that if they are messing up, that you find out early and often. So in other words, if they're they're doing something they shouldn't be, your prayer is, Lord, help me to find that out early before those roots go start to go deep and they're harder to uproot. And, you know, I always have said that I want my kids to mess up some while they're in high school under my roof before they go away to college, which is great to say. And then when they actually do it, you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> now I've got to parent this. I've got to follow through with, <laughs> with this boneheaded move that my kid just made. But it's, again, that consistency that comes in. It looks different because now maybe not as physically exhausting, but for sure emotionally and mentally exhausting are the teenage years. And our kids have made some mistakes that did happen under our roof as we requested from the Lord. (laughs) And yet with things that are allow us to bring correction and teaching into their circumstances. And there have been times that just the initial correction isn't enough. You know, just even in the the last year for one of our kids, the element of, okay, I've prayed about this. I'm still not seeing a breakthrough in that area. Uh, We've prayed together on this and like, okay, what more can we do? And things in our bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, involving them and these, and you're feeling like you're blue in the face um, as far as repeating the same things and just not seeing um, improvement. 
And so, you know, for us, it was like, okay, like we need to, we need to fast over this, deny ourselves some food like the Bible talks about so that the Lord knows, like, I'm serious about this. I really need you to, to come through. We've done and everything that we can do. We've done all we know to do. We need some supernatural support. Exactly. And the cool thing is, though, is seeing the faithfulness of God in that. And it wasn't mm-hmm. overnight, but it was a testament to our son as we would talk to him. Like, this is something that we're seeing in your life. We know what that looks like in adult life. And we want to spare you from that. And like, we not only are praying individually, we're praying as a couple, but we're also like denying ourselves food (laughs) once a week. Like we see this as a serious thing. So I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for, but I would say that that's something that we've done, had to do out of necessity. I think it's incredibly, not only practical, but like you said, inviting the supernatural power that we absolutely rely on because there's only so much we can do as parents and God's the one who supplies the power. How have you kept the romance alive through all these stages of marriage? Um, I think for us, it's um, being intentional at, at getting away and being okay with leaving our kids. We've been fortunate to to have good families or good my mom and dad or brother and sister's house to for them to stay at, but making sure that we have time to get away. Yeah, I, I think that's probably for the sure. Big thing. I think that, you know, even as we work with couples and seeing how difficult it is to leave our kids and somehow that thinking is I'm not a good mom if I leave them. And the the quote that I have always said to my kids is that I'm actually a better mom if I can get a week away with your dad once a year, or maybe it's not even a, a week, you know, it, working up to a week, but it's a weekend away, something to where it's just Drew and me and alone time and trusting that the people that we have put our children in their care, that they're going to do a good job and believing that God is going to care for our kids because he loves them more than more than we do, which is hard to imagine. But and he loves us as a couple and wants to see us be able to stay connected. And so, yeah, I really when I talk to young moms, that is something that I try to emphasize. And I know that that can be a frustrating thing to hear when maybe finances are tight. But it is a manner of getting creative, even if it's selling something that you're not using anymore, just whatever it takes to be able to have that away time with your spouse, um, I think is crucial and something worth fighting for. And I don't think we can hear that enough when we're in the throes of raising young kids. So as you're looking at married couples now with little children, Is there even a certain age of their children that you recommend? Okay, this is when to start implementing that goal. Six months. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, on on our sale trips, we've had every once in a while, we'll have uh, younger couples that go that have, you know, maybe a a young child, a year old baby, a two-year-old baby. Uh, at home, it's their youngest child, and 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 so uh, you know it's tough to to leave that child with a parent or someone that you trust. But yeah, I would hate to like box in at a certain age to say, 
what that would be. Yeah. But at the same time, we had I had a younger couple. They have five five children, and the youngest was a toddler. And there was some hesitation. She had committed to coming on the trip, but then she was starting to second guess it. And I just said, you know, the people that you are leaving them with, do you trust them? And she's like, yes. And I said, then you should, then you should come. It's okay. So, you know, you're leaving them in capable hands. And um, I would say that it's probably, I'm seeing more people err on not getting away for the sake of the children. And I would just say, what if it actually long-term helped benefit them because mom and dad are more connected? Yeah. So. And, and, you know, when we get away and we do what's right, whether it be with our spouse or even as a family where like we, we had just did something awesome with our kids where we had like just three, four days of great family time. We went away and and we came back and when, when we got back in the house, one of our kids just acted very unbecoming. You know, we had just invested a bunch of time. We we took our kids to New York City and, and had just an amazing time with the two of us and with our two children. And I remember kind of being surprised that those words came out of our child after just getting in the door, you know. Because the reality is the enemy does not want to see us have a successful relationship with our spouse, relationship with our family. And so there's going to be things that happen, words that are said. And I think one thing that God is teaching me personally is to not take those things personally, but to understand that the enemy doesn't doesn't want to see things succeed and so what's happening in that moment isn't a reflection of kind of what is going on in our family, but it's just him trying to poke at us, you know, to know that those things, those times are going to happen and to understand that that's a plot of the enemy and, and for us to love them and keep our hand on the wheel, keep on steering in the right direction. It's easy to get it right back on course, you know, through hugs, through conversations, through consistency. God will utilize, I think, our maturity to keep things on that path. I think that's so important to bring up because I agree with you. I think that the enemy is going to use so many creative tactics to keep this from happening because of the good. And it's another one of those situations where it feels like it requires faith because you're doing this hoping that this will benefit the whole family, even if you and your spouse get away. And I think for me personally, what the enemy will try and whisper, especially ahead of time, is this is going to harm your children if you leave them. It's going to harm your relationship or your bond with them. And mm. there's a fear then of, okay, are we going to regret this when they get older? And we're not privy to that information yet because our oldest just turned eight this past December. But it seems like the Lord continues to comfort with the same words that you're saying, that this is not only not going to harm them, but this will actually bless them. And so it requires trust. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I agree with that. Well, it just helps so much to hear you <laughs> vocalize that. That's so encouraging. And 
how are the two of you maintaining a healthy relationship as you near the empty nest stage? Yeah, Drew and I are in separate like goal groups. So what I was realizing is that I don't want to look at Drew as our last kid leaves the house and go, I don't know who you are. Because we have maintained some of that connection through our things we enjoy doing together or the trips that we take once a year, just the two of us or, you know, those types of things that keep us connected so that when that last child leaves in two years, Drew's not a stranger. Like he's someone that I know very well and we almost can celebrate that next stage in looking forward to what that means for the two of us together. Yeah, and in part of our goals that we've had and established in those week-to-week goal groups over the last year, um, one of them always has to do with your marriage. We choose a goal in one of usually four to five categories, and one of those categories is always your marriage, and so we'll have goals, and sometimes we know each other's goals, sometimes we don't, but the, the goals that we have proposed in our group on a week-to-week basis, I think have focused us towards investing in that relationship so that it continues to grow, it continues to get stronger. And you know what? It's it's kind of nice. We're enjoying time when our kids aren't there. Yeah, we love having our kids around. We love spending time with them, but we also love getting away and having it just be the two of us. This sounds amazing, these goal groups. So I want to ask a few more questions about that. Is this something that the two of you came up with and then invited others in? Or is there a certain curriculum you're following if somebody's listening and they want to follow in your footsteps? Sure. So it's been so transformational for me. It's been, I'm going on year six. It was something a friend got an idea about. And she said, hey, do you want to do it? And I said, yes. And there's been three of us that have been together for those six years. If you really wanted to wanted information on it, I do have a blog post that's simply sarahanthony.com. And after each blog post I have where you can leave your email and it will send you like a walkthrough of how to break this down. So basically it's come from trial and error. And then after doing it for years. As you know, Sarah's husband and, and watching her in this group, because I, I remember seeing the disciplines uh, develop in her life when she woke up at a certain time every single morning and did her devotions. I'd see her get away with the kids on a regular basis where she would purposely, you know, kind of go in the room and just talk with them. And so that, that you know, obviously was her family goal or her goal with her kids. And she did a goal, I remember one time, where she just blessed a stranger with like a Starbucks gift card and hearing about that, you know, and just being impressed at what she was able to accomplish on a day-to-day basis because of this accountability group. And so it kind of inspired me to do the same thing because you see kind of, you know, discipline is is something that's talked about all the time in the Bible and accountability and, and the court of three strands and all of this that God says, hey, you have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are there to support you and to cheer you on. Blessed is the man who falls and has someone to help get back up. You know, we all fall. We all struggle. 
Can you be purposeful in putting people uh, in your life to help you during those times in key areas of who you are? There's areas that I think God, you know, can easily get into your life and utilize brothers in the Lord, speaking for myself, to support you. So it's been something that I developed after seeing Sarah be so encouraged and grow in the Lord uh, because of it. So I myself, is, it's probably been a three-year process. And yeah, it's been, it's been incredibly supportive. Love how contagious that wisdom is. So we will certainly link to your blog post in today's episode show notes. And this time together has been so precious already. And a lot of times, Savvy Sauce listeners will reach out for where to turn for some tips on marriage. So if listeners want to glean more marital wisdom from the two of you online, where would you direct them? On my blog, I usually post a couple times a month. And that's just simply Sarah Anthony at sarahwithoutanh.com. And that's where I tend to stick those items of wisdom. <laughs> One of the things that we've uh, done too is when we go on walks, occasionally we'll listen to a book on marriage because we don't have the answers. And it's just good to hear and wisdom from different people that have different focuses on how they feel their marriage would be stronger. And so, and so that's, that's something that anyone can do just by searching Amazon or, you know, any other sort of uh, audible application. Well, that's a great idea. And so I'll put all the links in the show notes, but also I'll put a link. We have all of our marriage related podcast episodes and then some marriage recommended resources. So I'll put all of those links in. So if you want to listen to something on a walk, you can do that on a commute as well. And it's an easy list right there. But Drew and Sarah, sure. you know, we are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight. And so as my final question for the two of you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? So I would say for me, the thing that has revolutionized my life the most has been morning quiet time. And just, I call it my morning routine, but it's the time that I spend with the Lord where I'm praying, studying. And when I first started in a goal group, I knew that that was one of the priorities. Like I've tried and I failed and, <laughs> and I just want to make this a habit. And I think the cool thing that happens that as you stay consistent with it, and again, like we talked about earlier, the, the enemy knows the power of connection with Jesus. And so he will try to trip you up, discourage you, you know, have your kids wake up earlier than they should have, all those things. But if we can just stay consistent with that, the power that comes from that, it has truly changed my life. I've seen it impact my friends, my kids. It changes you. Time with God changes you. And truly, you know, one encounter, you can live off one encounter from the Lord, but he desires to meet with us all the time. And so if we can tap into that, oh my goodness, it just, it's powerful. And so I always tell people, even if you're just committing, getting really good at 10 minutes, or five minutes, whatever it is, get really good at that. And then 
what naturally happens is that you fall in love with Jesus during that time and five, 10 minutes isn't, isn't enough. And so that, that would be my savvy sauce advice, spending time with Jesus, making that a habit. Yeah, and I'd say for me, I would say the importance of hiding the word in your heart. I remember when I was probably, I don't know, 20 years old, my job was I was a landscaper at our local church. And um, a buddy of mine had, had been a, a successful youth pastor, and he was looking to hire someone to be a junior high pastor. And so he took me out to breakfast uh, one morning and just asked me, Drew, what verse are you meditating on? What is the Lord speaking to your heart? And I remember being kind of stunned. I, I didn't really know what that answer was. And I mean, I grew up in the church and I knew, you know, if he started saying a popular verse, I probably could help finish it, you know, but there wasn't a verse that I had been meditating on. In in the process of, you know, these goal groups, one of the things that I've started to do was not only memorizing certain verses, but every morning repeating that verse before I start my quiet time. And uh, well, currently I'm, I, there's three verses that I'm repeating uh, before every devotional time. Ephesians 4.29, uh, which talks about not letting an unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean out on your own understanding, that verse. And then the last one, Psalm 1611, which is, you make known to me the path of life. Uh, you fill me with joy in your presence. And, and so just speaking those verses in my life every morning sets me on the path for that day. Oh, I love all of that. And I would just say three words come to mind to sum up this conversation, and those are faith, hope, and love, because I think of faith in your choices that the two of you have modeled and your life decisions. There's hope that you've passed on to each of us to stay the course in parenting and continue seeking God. And then your love for one another and your kids and others just exudes out of you. And it's clear that the two of you are so humble as you approach this topic of marriage. And I appreciate all the stories you shared and your real life examples. And I just want to encourage you as well that knowing your oldest daughter, Alexa, shows me that you actually live out what you talk about and the way that she spoke of the two of you, not only for your love for one another, but her security in the family and her security and her bond and relationship with the two of you. I remember Mark and I left that conversation like, wow, we want to pick their brain and see what all they're doing because it was clear that you're leaving an impactful legacy for your children. So I'm leaving this conversation mm. encouraged and inspired. So thank you for being my guest today. Well, thanks for having thank us. You, Laura. Mm -hmm. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. 
That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him you get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.